What was it? The milestones. Wasn't it a custom skill effects? Right. Custom skill effects when they hit a certain milestone. It's on there. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so what yeah. you're saying is, is like you can over time unlock a big sandal face tattoo. Oh my God. The more dude. you ninja loot stuff. Is, is that. It's no, like probably a ninja tattoo because they already have a sandal in game. And it's like you can't cut, you can't cover it with a beard or anything. Like your beard's just gone from that side of your face. It's just. Damn you and, all. and in Sims' case, there's gonna be a brand that he can't remove. He can just move <laughs> it around somewhere, but he can't delete it. I can't get it to go away. Wow. Fallen cities, towns, and villages all left scars on the face of Vera. As the Pathfinders surveyed the landscape, it was clear that only through enduring progress could these lands be used to build civilization once more. It would take a lot of work, patience, and dedication. Not all were up to the challenge, but those who were followed the Pathfinders trail. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders. Your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I am your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. So welcome back, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back after a bit of a your absence, man. Half tilt. Hello, everybody. Yeah, it's good to have you back, dude. Oh, it's good to be back. Missed you guys. Yeah, same, dude. Same here. We had we had Pasha on for a while there. Um, Daedalus and I have been carrying it through. We hit four years like last month. Well, technically over four years, but we're the over the four year threshold now. So that's pretty exciting. Um, we've got a big show today, friends. We probably are not going to get through everything. That's okay. That's what the next one's for. Uh, we are on episode 175 today. Oh my gosh. That's that's a big number, dude. I can't believe we're actually getting, we're going to be close to 200 episodes well before the end of the year. Like, damn, this year's shooting by. That's crazy, crazy, man. crazy. Crazy as hell. Shout out to all the Pathfinders who have been there, man. So, friends, before we dig in, got to give a shout out to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com, the community curated website for Ashes of Creation. Also a shout out to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week. Real quick, if you want to give us some love, go over to iTunes, give us a five-star review, leave us a comment. We will read that here live on the show. You can find that over at Ashes Pathfinder on Twitter. Look for the pinned post at the top. Click on the iTunes link. It'll take you right there, along with all the other podcast places. Uh, you can also call into 1-539-664-6801. Leave us a voice message. And if it's appropriate, we will play it here on the show, even if you're trolling me a little bit, like some of you like to do. Um, also, if you want to shoot some mail over to the uh, Pathfinder Grunt, you can shoot that over to ashespathfinders at gmail.com and that grunt somewhere out there in the world of fantasy will get that to us i guess when they do uh let's see what else do we got 
we are revamping the Patreon, right, for all the things. So if you're currently a Patreon supporter over there, which I know we got at least a couple people that are, um, just look for an announcement here in the next probably several weeks. I'm planning to revamp that a bit, uh, orienting it around more specifically uh some of the podcast stuff and things and some of the other content that's regularly curated here. Um, also as well as some of the stuff related to my own IP. So that's, that's pretty exciting to kind of talk about, but we'll get to that in the future. Um, also Knights of the Phoenix, we are recruiting. So if you're looking for a guild for ashes of creation, you are a part of this community regularly. You're more than uh, welcome to shoot me a DM and inquire about recruitment. We are a community based guild, but we will be playing ashes of creation. Uh, we enjoy community days on Fridays. Speaking of which we had our community day, um, Friday and we actually did Lord of the Rings online. Um, we didn't do city of heroes. Um, you know, Frostad's super sad about that. I know, uh, shout out to you Frostad's Okay. But we have a lot of fun on Fridays. It's welcome to not only the people that are in the community guild, but also those of you in the community who just want to get to know each other, to know some of your fellow Ashes fam or Phoenix fam people. Um, it was a lot of fun. We didn't do a lot of running together, but we hung out on Discord, kind of chat around things related to um, Ashes, also things related in the game we were playing. Um, it was just a good time. Like I talked about last time, Ashes HQ forums are live in a alpha state currently. So if you want to go over there, try to create, you know, username sign in through WordPress um, and do all that stuff to help me sort of test it a bit. Help me uh, to, you know, report to me if there are any issues that you're experiencing related to creating a uh, sort of like a account to access that. That account will also be currently utilized to leave comments on articles. For example, the developer uh, live stream bullet points, which we create, and I'm going to copy that and drop it in Twitch chat for you now, as we will very likely be referencing that for the majority because, uh, well, we had a developer live stream around Ashes uh, on Friday. So there's that. Um, also, for those of people that were checking out Ashes HQ's YouTube, um, the playthrough two of Alpha One footage is continuing to go up every day, 3 p.m. Central. We are, as of today, part eight of 11 on the second day, which would have been July 10th, 2021. So I told y'all I was going to do it. It's actually a lot more work than I thought it was going to be, but we're good. They're up there. They're going to keep going until I get all that done and over with. Um, so you've got like another, if you're like fiending for ashes, you basically got like another month and a half of like footage at least going up there. So enjoy gentlemen. Oh man. Now, you know, when they have, a developer live stream. Pause on that. Shout out to Skylark the botanist. I see him in chat. Shout out to him. He is the one that has been curating those outlines for the developer live stream and getting them to me roughly 12 to 24 hours earlier than I'm able to get them done. So shout out to him. He's doing the greater Ashes community a solid. Everybody that checks that website, right? And also check out Daedalus's article, which went up, uh, week from tomorrow, last Monday. He's got a second uh, Herald's Ballad up there. And so he's he's author uh, for, for articles as well. So shout out to the homies who are contributing and everybody else who, who does their due diligence to help us keep that place squared away. Okay, back on the discussion point around the live stream. We've got a lot of outlined stuff and things. We talk about how they have show live streams and tell live streams. And I like that this terminology is catching on for a lot of y'all um, because I know on 
what was it? Friday, we were doing the Ashes post show. We had like, I think, three or four devs that dropped by. I think Margaret was there. Meadow was there. Slurp was there. Jincy would drop by and was there. It was pretty cool, man, because they're like, they like it after the Ashes developer live stream. It's like they sort of, I think, I'm assuming they bounce around between um, some of the different creators or whatever. But it's cool, man, because they jump in there and they chat with people and they talk about stuff and things and it just feels very nice, man. It's like kind of a cozy atmosphere because you got the developers sort of chatting with community members. We're watching, you know, and kind of gathering feedback for this podcast to talk about today. So we've got tons of bullet points related to the developer live stream. But before we dig in and I start chipping away at any of that, I'm just going to let you guys jump on in and essentially pick away at anything. We're not going to be super organized about this because there's so much going on here. And I've got a lot of my own feedback and references. I'm going to let y'all jump in. Then I will start to guide us through once we've kind of ranted about the, the biggest things that really stood out, you know, constructive criticism, always welcome, uh, positive negatives, whatever y'all see jump in gentlemen. No, no, uh, no particular order here. Yeah. I would have to say this, this was a tell screen. Um, from my perspective, and that's not necessarily a bad thing considering what they were explaining. Um, and I would say key things for me, actually the first thing that really kind of wowed me just from a visual perspective was obviously what you're seeing behind me is just some of the concept art and how different it is for Pyre than it is for others. And they're just continuing to build upon that scene um, and really infusing uniqueness um, and just a really, really intricate design for each of the races. Uh, other things that I think, I mean, I just like this takeaway that I had, and I'm not necessarily like a D&D nerd like, like some in the community. Um, I haven't had the time to really dig into that, but I've always wanted a type of game, MMO or not MMO, that just felt like a very crafted story. Um, that's what really gets me um, going in terms of gaming is getting sucked into a story. Uh, and and I feel like Steven is just running his own D&D campaign, but on a massive scale. Just the way he's talking about like the major plot point of the live stream, which was world events. and. And and we've talked about this at some level, right, um, before, but just the way he explained the in intricacies and then he threw in some other tidbits about social orgs and other things. And it just felt like it just built on like a snowball. And it was just like a really good takeaway for me coming out of that, how intricate the story is. And again, just re energizing me to this whole concept of server story that we, you know, we're all enamored with at the start of this journey. So I think it was a really good stream. It was a tell stream, but still a really good tell stream uh, for me, just kind of looking at unveiling a little bit of a vertical slice of that um, event, uh, event logic that they're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We're gonna chat. We're gonna chat a lot about events today because Stephen, 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 he literally took us to the cusp, didn't he? Three times, almost telling us some stuff, 
And I know before the show, you were talking about the, you know, the D&D sort of element and Half Tilt talked about um, Milestone. So anyway, with that being said, Half Tilt, what about you, dude? Uh, I got to say the funniest moment was during the Q&A when someone had asked about um, the Underrealm and the Tolnar being a little bit more built up and he started to go into it. He's just like, you know what? No, I'm not going to answer this. I I know. (laughs) So from that, I think it's safe to say that we should not expect anything Tolnar related until probably come like launch time. I think that's something that the, he's going to yeah. try and keep his cards close to his chest through the beta process until we actually get to launch. And I respect that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm stoked on that being a surprise because it feels like it can go so many different ways. Um, but that said, so uh, one of the big things, well, two, two things, uh, and I'll tie them together here. But first was the... Um, the mention of a surveying system when it, in regards to gathering. Yeah. For me, this is going to really depend, like this is going to come down big to testing in alpha two, how that works and what kind of that zone of influence will be in regards to degrading um, gatherable nodes to the point where they are useless for a period of time. How much is that going to like? I understand the system and the desire to push people around the world through influence of if you want resources, you need to go where they are, right? I respect that. I just hope it's not so drastic that, you know, if you're farming trees in a certain specific biome, like they only grow in the tropics, that in the tropical region you're in, you harvest too many of them over a period of time, and all of a sudden they're just gone for two months. And you have to go to the other side of the world map to a different tropical area where they're growing. And that's the only other way to get them. That I could see being a little too much and a little detrimental to player behavior. But I do really like like it as a premise and maybe in a bit smaller scale. So we'll have to test that and see. But now we tie that into, say, the event system where they're talking about having so many varying triggers to start an event cycle. Like... One of the biggest gripes I had with Alpha 1, and granted, it was a placeholder system, and I have this gripe with other games as well. Like I'll use Harvesting Trees again for an example. You run through a forest, and one out of 100 trees is glowing that you can harvest, and they all look the same. Why can't I just chop down every tree? So I'm hoping the game will allow us to chop down every tree with this detrimental surveying system uh, kind of kicking it in the back and that you need to pay attention to what you're doing. And, and, and from there... You know, like imagine cutting down, just clear cutting an entire forest off the side of a mountain and then a torrential rainstorm comes through and this now triggers an event that's going to cause a mudslide if you haven't shored up and replanted before the trees naturally just grow back there again. And now like an entire node could just get covered in mud or whatever freeholds are at the base or you know maybe a boss spawn point gets covered in the mud but at the same time maybe that reveals a back entrance to a cave or something i would hope it's not the only access into the cave or maybe a back access into the underrealm that you could use as like a siege advantage or something so there's a lot of possibilities there and and i really like that there's going to be a lot of moving parts in the background as well as a lot of different internal clocks to yeah. trigger these events. And I hope, I hope that we can see a certain amount of this tied together that way. And, and, and basically, you know, as Daedalus was talking about, like this feels like a giant D and D campaign, like Steven's a, a 
game master for several, probably a hundred servers, maybe more. I don't know, but like that's to have all of these moving parts going on and everything is interconnected that way. Like it's not just like, here's a system for the sake of having the system in the game. Here's another system that's not associated with that one at all, but people wanted it. So there it is. Like everything is tied together. Everything has cause and effect and, uh, you know, risk versus rewards. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see. So I'm going to read a comment from chat specifically. So when we, whenever we've got, in Ash's Devin chat, like we do right now, uh, whether it's Steven, Margaret, or otherwise, and we're chatting anything, I, and they make a reference about it, I think it's always important to kind of like take that frame of reference for the conversation. Um, and Slurp is saying, think about land management more as a reward for carrying more than a punishment for not in terms of yield. So that's good. That's good to hear. That is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, very nice. I actually, speaking on the crafting dynamic or just talking about uh, resources or any of that sort of stuff, I wanted to pull something that Horrendous had um, had actually hit me up about. He hit me up about this in our Ashes post show chat on Friday. And he also sent me a DM as he went and reviewed the video over the weekend. And I'm gonna link it in chat right here. And this is something we've talked about previously. So remember how we've talked? I mean, this is like literally in the past 30-ish days, give or take. We talked about crafting and all those types of things. And one of those particular discussions was we looked over the crafting. Remember, Don was here. We had people on. We were chatting about it. And we were like, you know, I feel like we got stuff missing. Steven, and I posted it in chat, mentioned 22 professions. And Aaron said, I saw these from the wiki gathering seven farming, fishing, herbalism, lumberjacking, mining, taming, processing, and then two animal husbandry, smelting, crafting. You've got animal, uh, alchemy, armor, smithing, blacksmithing, carpentry, cooking, jewel crafting, scribes, shipbuilding, siege weapons, weapon smithing. That leaves you like four more, right? So you've got, we got four out of the 22 that are not listed currently. Right. You can look at Ashes HQ. You can look at our crafting page or whatever, and you can see our artisan classes. Rather, you go there and you look at that. You can see we're missing. We do not have 22. We talked about this. and I was like telling him, I really think we're going to probably see some for at least what what I talked about previously. You remember it was um, talking about uh, essentially like leatherworking, clothing, something in that that domain. Right. So I could see, you know, a couple there and it doesn't sound at least like surveying is really going to necessarily be any of a cut out there. It looks it sounds like that's more of a utility oriented type of, of skill set. Um, it sounded like a component of each. Yeah. Gathering sort of. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what, where they actually go with that. But it this just further reinforces, though, via the stream and Steven that clearly they're not all listed yet. Um, yeah, which I, I'm also kind of like curious about why they're not all listed. You know what I mean? Even at this point, not really a negative like reflection, just kind of curious how come they're not all listed um, at this time already. Uh, and I'm not really too sure what the reason for that is. Uh, but I guess I'll give a little bit of my feedback and we can sort of like chip away at some of the stuff and things. How about that? Um, good. So 
Yeah, no, Quantary hits slips like Carol is say anything on that front. We're working on nailing down what we need artisan profession wise and where where what goes where. Uh the number of subject to go up or down for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see some of the things related to like, you know, like some of the blacksmithing and armor smithing, weaponsmithing, like stuff like that. Like I could see some of those getting combined potentially, depending on what they end up doing. So it's definitely gonna be interesting to see. So like I, like I kind of led with, we we have some show versus tell live streams. This was definitely a tell. Totally agree with that. Now, I got to say, I just out of respect for Intrepid Studios, and this isn't me white knighting or fanboying or anything. It's just real talk and what I consider objective, like objective perspective as much as I can have. Um, I think people get a little bit too critical about what they what they're not seeing like they should be seeing it. And we got to remember that like just because it's transferred development, like it doesn't mean you're entitled to know everything that's going on. Right. Like right now, because you want it. Like, I think that's sort of like a fair perspective to share. And so I see like here recently, like, oh, they're kind of they're missing on this. They're missing on that. They're failing on this. They're failing on that. And I'm like, what do you I don't even get I don't even get that logic. Right. Like, is it just because you're in a hurry and you want to hear now? Because the criticisms I've been seeing, like when you look at the live streams, like, yeah, I get that. We only look, I want to see more around combat too. I want to see more. Don't get me wrong. I'm on the same page. I want to see it. I'd love to see it now, but I also respect like making sure that it's like they even said on the live stream that it's like in a prepared state to showcase, not just throw it out there because like people are demanding and kind of wanting it. And my reflection also is that, you know, from one live stream to the next, fundamentally, this is true. They show significant progress. Like it, even when it's a tell or it's a show, it, it's not like, dude, go look at some of the developer updates from some of these other games that are out right now. Seriously. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but seriously. And they're not even, this isn't even a triple A studio. When you go and you look at some of those other ones, like some AAA studios don't even showcase this much with the developer updates. Like some of the other games that kickstarted around the same time absolutely don't showcase this much. So, and it's not like those days where Dayless and I used to have this like pretty, pretty serious. We had some pretty, we had some pretty constructive criticism, man. Like, you know, we weren't like toxic about it or anything, but we were like, yeah, I don't know, man. This kind of is a bit of a miss. We're just sort of, floating and we don't feel like there's a whole lot of like consistency there's consistency from every single live stream right if you pay attention to what they actually showcase each month like yeah they're showing you renders of you know they're showing you like uh you know concepts of like the pyre or, or sorry you know the pyre and you see like that and yeah i know i had to catch myself from it there i was like did i just say it right because <laughs> Chirp Steven for not ah, saying his name right. I know, right? I'm like, damn it. But it's it is it is real talk though, isn't it? Like from one live stream to the next, there's like a there's a pretty significant amount of stuff and things that are either talked about or shown. And people may not like all the time seeing concept art, you know, or you know, like uh, uh, renders of things. But I'm I'm still standing by it, man. It's consistent. It's consistent progress from one stream to the next and it's consistently there, right? There's not really one where it's just, we feel like we don't really see anything or get anything with any weight to it. 
And people talk about the cosmetics too, and they kind of rag on that. I'm just like, yeah, but like, come on, man. We we already saw how the cosmetic element ties into creatures in the world. We saw dozens of them in in freaking Alpha One. Seriously, like if you go and do the math, like, and I put this challenge out there for anybody, like, go take a look at it. Look at how many of those creatures in the world have either been a cosmetic that was developed and then became a model that's in the game right just just take a look at it do a tally man it's a pretty significant number and i can't tell you the number it's too much for me to count at this point but it's there i'd go further to say too that a lot of what the content that we get revealed it's Mm -hmm. not always the show it's a lot of it's in the tell true and talking about a lot of the foundational systems that all the little things are built from and you know, in, in an order of operations mindset, that is what we want to be hearing right now. That is mm-hmm. the progress that we want to see is that the game is built from a solid back end and everything on top of that is like when they do show it is absolutely beautiful. But we can trust that it's gone through the process and the iterations that we can expect systems to work together. True, And that for me, that's one of the biggest takeaways. It's like close my eyes and listen. The visuals are beautiful. But hearing everything on the back end, that's what really gives me belief and hope in the game. You know, I mean, how many of these uh, failed ones have we seen that where it's got some exciting visuals to tease you with and bait you in? Like that's seeing the game, the progress, like the character creator. Absolutely. That's a that's a milestone. Mm -hmm. But the back end stuff, like what we got a lot of in this live stream, that was huge for me. I thought so, too, because he went in detail about the like talking about events i was like oh my god dude this is pretty pretty interesting too let's let's actually dig in to going down the line right some of the community reminders like i actually really enjoyed seeing this one um and i wish i had the question on hand because it was actually hold on i might be able to pull this off i can do this (laughs) you can do this because i've uh i'm prepared sort of am i though jesus okay hold on one I am. I got this. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of myself on the fly. Sam, go. Um, anyway, they were spotlighting uh, YouTube videos uh, or the YouTube comments that are showcased um, monthly. Like they stopped. They talked about doing it last month. And thank you, Zod. I appreciate that you believe in me. I found it. Um, said we the comment was from someone, Stephen, on, on their YouTube and they're taking comments from people and they're showcasing it. Right. So it's just like another layer of the community engagement that I think is really important. Um, they, they actually posted it and said, and this is see if I can pull this off. Said, I love what you are doing with the game with regards to character customization. I would love to see certain customizations that require in-game challenges to achieve. Maybe there would be some extremely hard to complete quest that allows you to obtain unique eye colors, hairstyles, scars, tattoos, or in um, especially rare cases, perhaps slightly glowing or animated variations of those. That was a really good comment because we've hit on that one. And I think I think I remember Pasha being here for one of them. And we were talking about uh, how one of the things the Elder Scrolls Online does well, one of the few things that they do well, in my opinion, uh, is they have like Daedalus just smiles. It's like any chance I have to make a dig these days. I'm just like, y'all pissing me off. Uh, well, I would just thinking a wow. So it's true. <laughs> That's true. We got a whole other can, can of worms with that one. But uh 
one of the things that the Elder Scrolls actually has that uh, they do integrate into questing and things that I do think is really good is things like personalities or like mementos, which mementos are sort of like your toys in uh, World of Warcraft, right? It's it's sort of in your collection. You can bind it. You can use it. And, you know, it has like this animation. And it could be a variety of different things. Um, so things like that. I really like the idea of like, you know, uh, things that can impact like your appearance, um, things like your eyes, et cetera. Um, customizations like that, especially in a high fantasy MMORPG, I think are very important. So it was just good to see that question and someone else talking about it and hearing Steven talking about like this is something that they're very mindful of. And when you go back to like even the Kickstarter, one of the one of the backer, remember, what was it? The Milestones, wasn't it a custom skill effects Right, custom skill effects when they hit a certain milestone, it's on there. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so it's, what yeah. you're saying is, is like you can over time unlock a big sandal face tattoo. Oh my god! The more dude. you ninja loot stuff, is is that? Is no, that it's probably a ninja tattoo because they already have a sandal in game. <laughs> it's like you can't cut, you can't cover it with a beard or anything. Like your beard's just gone from that side of your face. It's just. Damn you and, all. and in Sim's case, there's going to be a brand that he can't remove. He can just move <laughs> it around somewhere, but he can't delete it. I can't get it to go away. Why would it leave me? doesn't matter what armor he's wearing. It just it glows through. I feel yeah, like I'm guys. channeling the sandal god right now. God, I really feel like, yeah. You, one of those moments when you realize the presence of a certain cast member absolutely comes with a catch. <laughs> well we got we got half tilt on today what can i expect you're gonna get trolled about ninja looting even though it's not true he'll make sure he hits it at least once anyway it's fine i kept hope alive <laughs> while you were gone buddy he did you did you did that. he did i'm proud <laughs> um it was very interesting to hear that first of all they have a dev discussion coming up uh related to hairstyles uh it's it's not coming up it's on the uh the forums so you can actually go and you can chime in on that one right now it's something that they had been there had been conversations around i think related to like the beards is one of the ones the predominant ones i comments i had heard about right um so they they acknowledged some of that uh, on the live stream as well you can go talk about that also the event discussion i'm going to go and link that now as well i'll probably try to do it towards the end of the stream today or the podcast uh, because I think it's just important to have this one, but you can go and chime in more specifically related to the event system. So if you got feedback, there you go, right? They pay attention, listen to it. Um, 23 people that they've hired so far. I forget their goal for the year. Was it 50, 40 or 50? I I thought in total it was 200, right? Right, which I don't know where they are. Which I think they, I think they needed like a, a forty or fifty, right? So the twenty-three people this year already, damn, that's not bad, man. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. I'm curious about what all the positions specifically are that have been filled. Um, I guess we could do a little, you know, you know, work backwards and look at their listings and stuff that they've got uh, every so often that they post on the. Oh, look, Alfina. Um, uh, clip the unlocking tattoo of the Santa Lord thing. That's great. That's fantastic. Thanks, Alfie. And I appreciate you, homie. Really, you're on it all the time, especially when it comes to some getting trolled. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, they said that internally they are on the final stages of getting graphics and photos up before recording videos for the studio and team. So that's actually good, too. Also, I forget exactly what point it was, but Margaret actually said that she's working on getting a article up outlining some of the stuff and things. I can't remember if it was actually for the event system. Maybe it was. Maybe it was something else. Um but I felt I was like, I feel heard. I feel like I feel like we're we're being heard a little bit because we've we've made some complaints around uh just just about like, you know, that's not been happening. And they talked about it coming around the the first of the year and it's it is like May now. So, you know, it was something that it was a valid thing to sort of bring up. Um yeah, so they're getting to work on that. It said completed their first internal milestone of the year in April. Tra la 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 la. What was it? That's he didn't tell. Yeah, us. I was like literally on pins and needles when I heard that. I'm like, oh, you're gonna tease it. You're gonna tease it. And they teased it, but they didn't give any detail. And then I was like, why, Stephen? Why you do this? <laughs> Slurp with the lulls. You yeah, he's like a little Slurp. Slurp. Don't, don't do this to me, man. Yeah. Don't put that evil on me, Slurp. Don't put that evil on me. <laughs> Exactly. He's not wrong. Steven's gonna see it. That's exactly what Sim said when we talked about it in the pre-show. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, it's uh just you know. I appreciate everyone here. All right. I do have actually one comment with regards to the the commentary on YouTube. Sure. And actually this is this okay, I I haven't drunk the Kool-Aid, but this was one thing that I really at the time, I didn't appreciate it, but in retrospect, um, I I did feel like it was good because as a player, it pushed me. Um, and that was in Legion. There was um, in WoW. There was a way to get a, a rare like appearance for your artifact weapon, and you had to do a tower challenge, and it was a difficult boss fight. Uh, and I felt like once, I mean, I was frustrated as all get out during that process, but once I just did my thing and practiced and practiced the SMH tower, I did feel like that was something that, uh, World of Warcraft did right because it, it gave people something to do that was challenging. I mean, there's definitely like cosmetics you can get by, you know, mindlessly farming things and that in my opinion is not necessarily that the rng factor to that is driving me up the wall I but the RNG. fact that you can accomplish something um you know through a difficult fight you have to kind of know your timing know your class that kind of thing i i like the idea of it i know it wasn't executed perfectly um through every class and there was you know hit or miss depending on it might have been super easy depending on what type mm. of class you were but i think the idea of that was really really good and i am looking forward to something like that in ashes of creation where you have to do and and that's honestly the vibes i got from this comment i felt like this commenter was wanting those things where you just go out you go do and you achieve. And again, I'm not just talking about, you know, farming the same repeatable garbage over and over, like actually doing something that's a challenge as opposed to just, you know, getting in the hamster wheel. 
I, I love that. Like anything that's kind of a prestigious item that you wear to show off to say, I accomplished this. It needs to be earned that way, whether it's, you know, conquering the most difficult solo tower or even a party dungeon um, or climbing the ranks to the upper echelons in, in PvP in the arena system or siege or caravans or whatever, earning something that way to show it off rather than it's a one in a thousand drop off of oh this God. raid boss. I know. You know, I'm okay with that rare drop for equipable items but not for cosmetics, not for something that you wear as a simple point of prestige that's supposed to say, I earned this, I paid my dues, I put in the time and effort to master my craft and get there. That, for me, like, that's that's the way it needs to be. Yeah, RNG on things is a tricky, it's a tricky discussion for me because, like, when you talk about cosmetics, it's like, okay, well, when we think about mounts or pets, I feel like that's sort of in the similar domain. Um, one of the things I actually really don't like, even though I, in World of Warcraft specifically, I went and farmed Invincible, Ashes of Alar, and all that stuff, right? These are the mounts I really wanted to get. I wanted, um, I really, really wanted to get Ashes of Alar for my main, my paladin guy, right? Because it's a phoenix. And then I wanted to really get Invincible for my Death Knight because, like, RP perspective, like, that's freaking cool, right? A, a freaking Death Knight rolling around flying on a freaking undead flying horse. Like, that's sick. Um, I wanted that, right? Ashes of Alar took me ages. And something about spending five or six years on multiple characters, not like one or two, like eight or nine, by the way, just saying, to try to get something to drop and it never dropping. And then someone goes in there for the first time and can get to drop. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like that, that freaking, like this, the gauge difference between those two polarizing ends of like chance is just too damn taxing. Like, I think, and it's kind of it's similar to part of my argument for how things like RNG, uh, you know, I, I've made a, a similar sort of like discussion around RNG crates for the Elder Scrolls Online. Granted, that is like you just buy from the shop and I'm against that in general. But I think anything like that where you're talking cosmetics, what doesn't matter where it exists, like I don't think it should be like I go in there and it's like 0.05% every single time. That That's horrible. You go and you grind that. Like, I think at a certain point, like, incrementally, your chance should start to get a little bit greater. I'm not saying make it to where it's like, I've done it five times and I get it sort of a thing. But when the drop chance is so damn low, like, I think there needs to be something in place to, like, make it to where the person who's been dedicated and grinding should, you know, over time have a higher chance until eventually they get the damn thing. Right. So they're not in there farming for something over and over and over and over. And one of the issues with items that dropped in freaking Legion, which is part of why I was like, F this shiz, I'm out, along with all the other things that were wrong with it, in my opinion, was in World of Warcraft, when that was going on, it was literally you get a damn legendary, you know what I mean? Like a best in slot legendary or whatever. Some rando could get that just out of chance. And you could be grinding this thing over and over and over and over and you don't get it and if you don't get the thing you are not ideal no matter how good you are because the gear actually makes that big of a difference and it's locked behind freaking rng like dude we gotta like 
we really got to like reduce the gap on this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? In games. So anyway, it's a sim rant. I can't help it. This stuff gets me to think and I'm just like inside. I'm like, oh, this is why you all make me stop playing your games. I can't do it on principle because you guys suck. My opinion, you suck. That's what I think. It's not a good time. It's not why I want to be jumping into a game. It's like rolling the dice. You know what I mean? Jesus. I I think an important, like RNG, when it comes to a loot table, has its place. Sure. If everything drops every time for everyone, that item is not special. And it just becomes, Kate, you go here, get this. Now you can go here, get this. It becomes very linear and, and kind of boring. You need that repetitiveness to it to a degree i think having items that are really rare such as legendary items is really important what you said that's really key there is it cannot be not be an item that is a requirement Mm -hmm. to progress right that's it like it should be the icing on the cake when all you ever need to progress is the cake it makes life better it makes life easier it's it's nice to have it's not necessary RNG when it comes to items, I think is very important from an economic standpoint in the game. If you like as a crafter, if you're crafting the same items all the time and they're always the best versions of themselves, they have no, they will have very little value. Yeah, true. And, and, and it, it, the value will, is then gated by how easy it is to acquire the materials to craft them and, and how much of that is on the market. But in the end, then everybody gets the best version of everything from a crafting standpoint. And so there needs to be a certain amount of RNG there. Absolutely. I think as you be, as you progress, and Stephen talked about they're toying around with the idea right now of how many masteries you'll be able to have mm-hmm. within your, your artisan tree. But if you are a master of something, then maybe your RNG window becomes very minute and, and your control over your stat allocation and weighting now becomes you know more in your favor so you you have a much better chance of crafting that perfect item i don't think there should be rng that all of a sudden you get like um, a special two percent chance on crafting to get a surplus roll on anything nothing like that but just crafters will be able to choose which stats are present on the item so maybe the rng is okay now i can get between seven to ten strength on my craft and rng is evenly distributed I have a 25% chance to get seven, eight, nine, or 10. And that's, and that's the way it is. And when you distribute that over two or three or four stats, okay, now getting that perfect roll does require some investment. And when you do get that mm-hmm. perfect roll, now that item is worth something more. I think that RNG factor is important when items are sellable. If it's a BOP, Sure. And, and it's only for you, then yeah, farming to get that ashes of alarm out for a million times, or in, in the in the case of um, Lore's buddy there, oh, I <laughs> doing know. it on the wrong boss feels, feels bad. bad. But when, when it's when it's BOP, then absolutely, that is the wrong way to go about uh, something like that. I think because there are people out there that'll spend years farming the right boss and not get it. Yeah. Because RNG, where somebody else comes in their day one, they get it and you do a slash roll and they get the hundred and you get three. And it's like, okay, I'm going to throw my computer out the window now. Yeah. So RNG has a place, but it, it has to play into the economics. Otherwise, mm. it becomes a big point of contention if you don't get it. If you get yeah. it, it's great. The dopamine rush is incredible. You're loving it. You're you're riding high until the next one. But 
Yeah. That's my rant, piece of the rant on it. And you got to keep in mind, too, with like the content I'm talking about, it's not like I'm talking about it's a raid that's been out like one or two years at the point I, you know, you get it either. You're talking, this is like easily farmable by one person because you're so overpowered compared to the content, right? Like we're talking something that's been out for like a long time, you know? Like I think at a certain point, if somebody's going in there over and 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 over, it's like, give them a damn break, dude, right? Especially when there's tons of other things like that in the game. With with gear and, and uh, you know, and, and crafting materials, I think it's a bit different. But anyway, uh, I had another point, too, but I, I completely distracted myself from it. Uh, I did want to say there was discussion around the tech for nodes recently, right? They were talking about the node team having modifying the node layout, facilitating building creation and location, this includes levels four to five on nodes. And I can't remember the point, but someone in my chat, can we confirm this real quick? Because I've tried to like look through and I, I think I might have either missed it or or I'm just, you know, too stacked on info and I'm just like, you know, subconsciously choosing not to acknowledge it when I review over the information. But they're placing nodes manually in Alpha 2. Am I correct about that? Is that accurate? That's that was like someone was telling me that, and I was like, I don't see that in the notes specifically right now, and I don't remember hearing that, but I could understand if that was what what was the case. Um, it certainly would give them a, a choice in like where they place it to, you know, it is accurate. Okay, thank you. I thought so. I thought I think it was horrendous that might have actually said that on Friday. Um, <clears throat> so handcrafting the node locations, I think, is kind of important because. If you want to actually sort of force the players to work on a specific node type, then that gives you the agency to ensure that that's what's tested. Because even though you tell people in a test environment to test specific things, while a lot of people will do it, a lot of other people will just jump in and play it and do whatever they want. Right. They may not focus on that. So I think that's actually a positive thing of uh, that being the case. Also delays uh, for at least some period of time. Uh, people being able to know exactly where specific nodes are going to be in the world, even if it is the Alpha 2 environment. Um, let's see. Oh, the typography of the node, too. That was something that we talked about previously was... Remember in Alpha 1, how like the nodes would pop and it was just sort of like on this mound, like sort of incline? Yeah, it was all on a platform. <clears throat> yeah, basically it was just on a platform, so to speak. So I think the typography component, that's something that I'm extremely interested in when it comes to nodes because uh, being able to see how it will adjust the terrain around it, that's going to be extremely cool, especially when you're like, you know, talking about being up on a side of like a mountain or by a ravine um, or any of those things. I'm curious what the possibilities are actually going to be for the dev team um, when it comes to that. When you consider all of the racial influences of all of the buildings that can be present in the node in all of the different biomes, that is so many iterations. Like a Dunir mountainside node could be built into the mountain, Dude. but a Pyre, they're probably not going to be dug too deep into the mountain. You know, so what how much different is that going to play out and evolve in, in the nodes development? And yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a logic bomb there that they have to, like, think of every sin possible scenario. And the fact that they're also introducing 
variation, like Stephen a while back talked about this, is that they don't want they want procedural generation to feel look and feel not like it's been procedurally generated. That's easy to say. It is mega hard to do because you have to just think of almost every scenario. I mean, it's just as complex as this this event system they're talking about, even like or even more so as well. Um, and yeah. kind of you know, speaking of that, in terms of like rare materials and what we're talking about with RNG. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with some what chat was saying. I don't want to kind of go back too much, but right. it was there was a lot of great feedback in chat about RNG and and definitely mm -hmm. I'm always not been a fan of RNG, but I and when I say that, I mean RNG where it doesn't make sense. We talked about the fact that like, you know, the 100,000 million farming that, you know, attempts at amount, that just doesn't make sense. But if you're talking about maybe doing something like really spectacular, like creating a legendary weapon or finding legendary item, I mean, RNG needs to be part of that in order to keep rarity. So yeah. there's a difference between RNG, like just because, and RNG when it, kind of adds to the mythos of the the world right and and keeps rare things rare because i don't want it to you know over time you know to be what wow ended up being in in legion which was you know the oprah distribution method for legendaries and 99 percent of the time the legendary you got was a flaming bag of you know what right so it you know I think rarity, just because something's legendary, um, it it shouldn't be like uh, it shouldn't it should have some sort of legendary quality. It shouldn't just be oh hey it's orange let's just you know toss them out like they're you know pennies mm -hmm. in the street you know I mean it is it is definitely uh, a type of RNG that I'm not a fan of not necessarily RNG in general. And I think as you get more masterful in things like crafting, right, that level of RNG might go down in terms of the quality of materials you can produce. But it should it should also be predicated by the types of materials you can find or other crafters that have achieved the same level of mastery in their craft, which I expect that's going to be a time investment, but it's still not going to be the be all and end all of relevance for you as a player and i think that was the other part of rng um that you guys talked about and i wanted to double down on too because it was just very frustrating in legion to have that rush of excitement say hey i got this legendary item and i like equip it and it, it you know reads very well and then i go and do my internet research and talk to my guildies and all of a sudden it's like yeah, you really need this one. Otherwise, you're not going to be that effective or your DPS is going to be down by X percent. And it's just it's a huge letdown for a player to say once again, right? Something that should be an event that inspires you is in a feels bad moment. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of maybe talk about that a little bit because there was some discussion in chat about RNG that I didn't want to miss. Yeah. You know what I want to talk about? Gobby, goblins. 
we got a little bit of a of a clip here that they were sharing on their live stream that I'm 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 showing you all here. Um, Hopefully, it doesn't crash Twitch again. I know it was. There was. Oh my god! Can we? You gotta think stuff like that, homie. You can't be saying that when we're live. You, you're literally giving me like heart palpitations and shit. I don't need to hear that, dude. Knock on wood. Don't think it. Just think it. Don't say it. Like bad things happen when we speak. Words have power, right? Okay. So, like anyway, I, anyway, let me reel it back. But goblins, man, they they look now. Meta was here on Friday and apparently was saying that they worked on some of the animations for the, the goblins and the goblins look pretty, pretty cool. I definitely felt like they looked, um, there was much more detail to these than, and, you know, I think a big part of that's probably cause it's in UE five. Uh, so definitely noticed a pretty big difference. It was cool seeing them run around and they seem like they probably make really good rogues. So speaking of rogues, right. Not the same as a loot ninja, right? That's a behavior, not a, a thing, an actual thing. And so put that out there. Why are we face palming Daedalus? Yeah, they, they call it pickpocketing. <laughs> they do it, they they did take it before the thing's down. Dude. I think a loot ninja is a matter of perspective. Okay, in fine. Some people's opinion. All right. All right but yeah. I I am more of a black and white type of person. <laughs> oh wait, Frozen don't be dropping loot in chat. I might have to yoink that. Uh so combat has been focused during the last several months. Examples were new animation sets for dual wielding daggers for the assassin class. This has been in order to flesh out the major revamp that they've been working on for combat since most of the feedback from Alpha One was with respect to combat, which is fair. There there was a lot of discussion around animations and things like that. With that being said, I'm ready to see the rogue. I'm really ready to see the rogue. I I was hoping we'd see something related to the archetypes or classes, augmentation, any of that stuff. I wasn't I wasn't assuming we'd get it anytime soon, right? I was like anything related to the Alpha 2 world or archetypes, any of these things that they've been hitting on, right? Or the character creator uh, you know, getting that to the hands of the players. These are all things that have been noted by the development team moving forward. So why is it important to note? Well, we got to see goblins running in UE5 in the world, by the way, right? So there kind of is a bit of a, a hint of the world here. Also, can we talk about what else was in game? These images I'm showcasing, there was the tree thing, which was really cool. There was also like those ruins, these images that I'm showing are freaking in-game screenshots. So we may not have gotten video footage, you know, of like characters running around the world or the team tinkering around, but we are getting imagery from inside. And this looks like it's in the, uh, uh, what is it called? The, um, what was it, the biome? The, is it the Riverlands? Is that right? Yeah, the Riverlands. Thank I, you. I, I feel like I killed a lot of shifting sand folk in uh, Alpha 1 in these ruins. <laughs> yeah the, the, those mages were uh they were gnarly brutal yeah but the the imagery we're seeing these are screenshots so we got screenshots of like some of the ruins which look freaking amazing by the way and then we also got the goblins and then we got the tree and they're like switching between times of day and like showcasing not times of day seasons rather they were showcasing uh, the difference between what a tree 
and the environment could look like based on seasons. And I think maybe that's what Margaret talked about. They were planning on showcasing in yeah. like a tech. That was it. That was the one finally clicked for me, but talking about doing that in an article coming up. So I like it. Like it, it looks really cool. I know it's simple, but again, I was talking about like what I think would actually be impactful in regard to showcase on the live stream. Even if it's a tell, I think there are certain things I said that it would be good to kind of see. They hit those things, right? Which is why I believe that this resonated well for a lot of people. Because aside from just telling us a lot of stuff, there was enough of a visual showcase to let you see that the world is in development. Even if they're not running around in it, showcasing it based on a group of, uh, you know, developers running around playing together, it's still showcasing the Ashes of Creation world. And that is what I think is important. I think it's important that we continue to hit that because if you hit that from one stream to the next, even if it's not a lot, it still showcases progress. As long as you do that, I think you're good. Not a guy with all the answers. It's just for me what I think is meaningful. And mean meaningfulness is a word that comes up a lot with Intrepid Studios, isn't it? So, yeah. And, and one thing that I will say, and I don't know if y'all caught this, um, but if you didn't, I think this is really going to bake your noodle. Um, Steven didn't say rogue. He said assassin. Yes, he did. And assassin is a combo class. Mm -hmm. It's a rogue, rogue archetype combo. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think, oh boy, we doing it. We doing it. We doing the combos right now. We testing the combos. So that augmentation means that we are much closer than a lot of people were potentially saying or speculating we are. At least that's my speculation well, of where they are in terms of the class testing. Well, is it right? speculation though? I don't think it's speculation if he says I mean, for I know, the assassin. I, I, unless it was like, you know, uh, a misspeak from Mr. Steven, right? Which I, I don't know. I think whenever he misspeaks, it's intentional. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was going to say. And so he just like, he's like, is anybody going to catch this? And Maggie's yeah. like, I hope nobody catches this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was like, I saw that. I'm like, assassin, wait a minute. And I had to just do a little bit of Googling myself because it's been a minute since I, you know, did some uh, did some discussion on like all the different archetypes. And I'm like, that is the pure rogue rogue right there. And so that, that makes me really excited. And plus the fact that they were, they were testing out combinations of, um, you know, weapons that we haven't really dealt with yet. So it, mm -hmm. it also teased a lot about what they were doing with the combat prototyping as well. And, and it's just a really smart approach. It's painful for us as gamers. We were super excited about this game, but right. it is so the right thing because, like we've been saying earlier in this podcast, you've got these devs that are drinking their own Kool Aid, and they're like, "Hey, look at all this great stuff we're doing." And then you see it, and it's a, you know we just we heard that earlier in the podcast. Yeah. What that is, mm -hmm. and then we get something like what Intrepid is producing. It's it's polished to the right point where it gets across that theme of what they're doing as a foundation. And it lays a very strong foundation for us to share and share and share because they know, and they even said it on this past live stream, we share anything that is going to go viral. So we want to make sure it is 
the best prototype we can offer so that people can really see the great work that's happening in our studio, mm. right? And that's, again, that's not me being a white knight. That's me recognizing a smart business decision when I see a smart business decision. Yeah, I got to say, too, on Friday when we did the post-show chat, I did catch Assassin. And, and I was like, I kind of wonder if we misspoke, but John in chat did bring up a good, good point, and I caught it, too. We actually were talking about that. We were like, did you all see how Margaret reacted when he said that? Like, she was like this. She did that whole, like, did like that sort of like thing where she was like, oh, is he going to like, is he going to say it? And you saw him reel it back. So I think that happened a couple times. A couple times. Live stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was pulling a Jeff like, huh? More church. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Except when Jeff, was, Jeff did it, though, he, he looked like he was stressed. Yeah, in the face, he was like, I'm going to kill you in your sleep, bro. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Or the classic look of, we haven't talked about this one yet. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You're like, oh, shit, something just happened. Um, Wouldn't it be cool if to stop right there, Steven? <laughs> I know. That that kind of happened during that Tolnar question. Yeah, I and she Definitely. gave him the look when he yep. was teasing that the environmental or the season video would that he wanted to showcase it next month's live stream. And she was like, Are you sure about that? I remember that he too. Confident. He's like, he's like, he's like right. if the team's confident, I'm confident. So it speaks volumes uh, to you know his faith in his team, and that, that's amazing. But he, he I, I do want to I do want to I do want to temper expectations a little bit here for the audience where yes we're talking a lot about the assassin right now and how that's uh, evolving into potential um secondary archetype uh and augmentation and everything they're building weapon animations and combat animations it doesn't necessarily mean that they have that in place and have started to actually implement and test all of the actual augmentation effects never mind the base skills it's getting the character animations down for different weapon types, which is something that needs to be in place when they start mm. testing all of the different skills and everything. So yep, absolutely. just to kind of temper expectations there doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that, that we're going to be seeing combat in the next few months. Hopefully. I mean, fingers crossed. It'd be amazing, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was, I, I'm hopeful, but not, not going to hype it like crazy. Yeah, and he was like talking about how like a lot of work has gone into mount navigation controls, including flight gliding controls, buoyancy of ships, vehicle movement physics, siege weaponry making or said which we'll all see in Alpha 2. So there's a lot of telling going on. And like there was a nice showcase of visuals because like here we are looking at this in game, you know, screenshots. We saw the goblins. We can just flip this over to. Uh, more concepts for the pirate like housing styles that they're going for, which was really freaking cool, by the way. Like, you know, what I mean, we're we're going we're doing it, dude. We're going from concept to renders for the different races. It's been going on for a while, hasn't it? We're, we're going from one race to the next. And right now it's the pirate, isn't it? And damn, dude! Why luminescence on that? Oh my god! Yeah, oh, it's so some nice. major Hobbit vibes from these houses. Yeah, right it's now. like it's like it's a cool. combo of elf and Hobbit. Yeah, I mean, I saw this. I, I just had to pause it and look at it for a minute and enjoy it. I just right. love the use of color. It's like they just they find a way 
just to capture magic without showing something magical. And then they're like, oh, let's just throw some magic on it too. See, see how we do. Mm-hmm. Dude. I'm like, like, that'd so be so stoked. cool. Imagine that your freehold was that your main building was that last one that had the grass on the roofs and everything. And that you could like actually farm some vegetables or something on the roof of your house. as just like space. <laughs> yeah dude the the freaking pyre looks super cool man i'm not gonna lie dude they look they look really cool i don't know what race and class i'm actually gonna be i really don't like the more we're seeing of them the more i'm feeling very torn i yeah i agree 100 percent. it's i was so denier off the start Mm -hmm. but that's because my the vast majority of my visual influence was denier that's what they were showcasing for the longest time now we're starting to see more and more and it's like oh man stop it (laughs) i had my mind made up now you're making it hard they are dude like i'm like i'm paladin you know like through and through it it tends to be my archetype it really is it's it, it just resonates for me as a human being and like i like to pick something that resonates and feel i feel like i can identify with my character when i'm playing it like that's the thing for me, but when, but when you show things that are so effing cool, like that, I'm like, oh, this feels very unique for me. If I were to play like a pirate, it's like, dude, this this would feel very different than anything I've really played in a game. It's like, yeah, but Wood Elves in this game or that game, I'm like, sure, there's similarities, but it's not the same. You know, Tolnar is a really good example. People are like, oh, that's just like a troll in World of Warcraft. I'm like, no, it's not, dude. No, it is absolutely not. Nope. Did you see those things? Those I get more dude. werewolf vibes when I think of the Tolnar. I'm I'm really hoping the Tolnar have like a variation that is actually. Did I say what did I say? I meant Vec. Yeah, I don't know what I said. What did I say? Tolnar. Fuck. You said Tolnar. Yeah. Damn it. It did make me think Tolnar a little bit, though. To be fair, that was probably a bit of a slip. Because I do wonder, like, I I remember originally when they were showcasing some of the Toldar stuff, they have, like, those silhouettes that they had created, and the silhouettes were more lizard style. Like, it wasn't really, there was definitely more, like, lizard sort of, like, vibes to the majority of the silhouettes. And I was really hoping we'd see, like, there was, like, maybe one that seemed like maybe it could have been sort of werewolf style orientation. But I'm actually hoping we get more beast-like in that domain and, and maybe even a balance of some of the other possibilities. But um, when I see the Vec and I, you know, see just how damn cool they look and how unique they are, I just can't help but wonder what, what the Tolnar is going to be like. Because I just feel like the Tolnar is going to be not what we... I just more and more think that they're going to be way more unique than we're all actually like envisioning right now. I, I imagine the animal husbandry system is going to be a, a big part of their design or how they can be influenced. But as long as they have the bestiality sliders for Faisal, I mean, we'll all be good, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> we might need a clip on that because he actually said that in one of the yeah, shows. That was quite a while ago. And though. I was like, bro, you know what that actually man, means? You're pulling from the archives, son. It is archives, <laughs> man. I was sitting there and I didn't dig into it. I wanted to be like, homie, do you know what that actually means, bro? I don't think you do. That's not the word it is. 
Um, he was so innocent. He had no idea. It was yeah, he he really did. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Faisal. I slipped into his DMs. I'm like, dude, here's a link. This is the definition. And He's then like, he was like, what? <laughs> oh, my bad. His face that day. I was like, oh, bro, this is not the word you want to use for that. But we'll we'll just pretend like uh, we're not going to make too much of a thing. Of it. We'll make a thing of it when you're not here so we can laugh at your expense. <laughs> Miss but, you, buddy. Miss you, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what I think also with the Tolnar that... I don't think people are prepared for the level of customization that's going to be there. Yeah, and I kind of the way I look at it, I just got the vibe from their last character creator or the the previous character creator showing that whole thing where they could throw in like five different presets and just start messing with things. I feel like that's going to be the Tolnar character creator. Is like your first step is going to be all right, you need, here's the five, like, you know, parent races or the five, you know, variations, and then you can do your thing. And plus we're going to throw in some other options there and give you a way Mm. to, you know, throw in a little more of, you know, I guess a lizard or a bug or whatever they've got going on. Cause I I feel like I heard and, and chat, keep me honest. If, if, this is wrong but i heard they initially had some of those silhouettes that they threw out there but then they said "Mm, yeah this kind of changed a bit yeah a bit too significantly from what we showed you right that's why we've reeled it back a ton i remember that um, too in terms of communication so Mm. i just feel like with what we've seen with the character creator there's there's something there where that and to, to half tilt's point around animal husbandry, you're gonna see some, you know, I wouldn't say crazy, I, I meant crazy like in a good way, some crazy way of like morphing um, the races. And I think that's why they're spending so much time on each race. And yeah, narrower exactly um, yeah. my thinking as well, right? Is they'll get the base races down to a science and then they're like, Okay, let's now throw in another layer for Alnar. Can you imagine well. though? Oh my gosh, dude! If they took the races, the the non Tolnar races, and they were like, um, that that it that would be insane, dude. That would li- literally be a massive innovation to these characters. Like, I mean, they're already doing some pretty impressive things with the character creator and be like, yeah, but these are things that are in games. Yeah. But usually you get a game and you get like one or two of these things. They're really pulling them all together. And even doing that option we talked about with like, just take like, you know, sort of like these, like uh, these, um, these base, like pre-made sort of like appearance styles, throwing like four or five of them in there and then adjusting it between that. I mean, that's definitely new. I've never seen it. But speaking of, creatures i've got some i've got some of the uh some of the imagery that they one of the last little visual clips we got to share here they had like the beetle they had that remember we were talking about that freaking behemoth of a sea creature that they showcased a while back and we saw the scale of that thing and we talked in about like oh man have to you missed out on this we had a big conversation about like rating on naval content and dude it was a good time dude i did watch the youtube video did you dude and we were like a wonderful get 
any other behemoth like massive style like creatures in the world and then we saw the scorpion style creature that thing is freaking gnarly man look at that thing look at it you are like the tip of its pincer dude look at that it's nuts and like looking at its tail it looks like it probably starts as one solid tail and then splits as the battle evolves so uh, it's something that you guys were talking about in previous weeks as well um, yes. in regards to raid mechanics and stuff. Mm. I can see that being something like you need an off tank type deal to handle, you know, the tail one tank per tail Jeez, kind man. of thing. And then a main tank for the main part of the boss or something, you know, like super cool, super yeah. cool. So excited for this. Yeah. But you guys also brought up a good point at that in that same discussion about camera view. True. And, and needing to be able to scale back enough so that you can actually see and appreciate the boss but also be able to pay attention to the environment around you so that you're not just like i remember fighting some of those big bosses in wow and literally even at maximum right. zoom, you couldn't see anything between the mass of yes. people and, and the boss and skill effects you couldn't mm. see anything like yep. you couldn't see a template on the ground to get out of it stop standing in the red i can't see the red what red get out I can't of my see. camera <laughs> You know, so that is going to be a really important aspect. And I think it, I would expect it probably won't be an issue because it's been brought up at this point. And I'm sure that being gamers, they have the same feeling on it. Dude, I was kind of warm my heart a little bit. I have to it's like, oh, yeah, watch this past one and this past one. And I'm like, oh, man, warms the heart. And then I had a subtle thought. Oh, I wonder how much he was itching to make a Ninja Loot comment at a particular point of watching the show. <laughs> Did that happen? The thought crossed my mind a few <laughs> times. I'll be honest. There's been times <laughs> where I go back and I watch I watch the show when I've been out for a bit, and I'll I'll watch a bit to catch up on what you guys have been doing, you know. And I'll start typing something in the comment, and I'm like, wait a second, this isn't live. I can't partake in the middle of the conversation. I just delete it and like have to rephrase it and just <laughs> wait to talk oh, to you guys. God. That's a good, it's a good, it's a good reference to say, this is why you just got to be here live because it's just a whole different, whole different, uh, dynamic to, to be able to participate in chat. But homie, yeah, like we talk about situational awareness and the mechanics that are going to be, that are going to really be the focal point for, for Ashes of Creation raids. And I can totally see that too, dude. Like, you know, cause this freaking scorpion man, a creature could totally like, choose what it's going to swipe or clip at or whatever, you know, and, and having a tank to sort of like, you know, be annoying enough to kind of draw its attention so that you can maybe cut that thing off or whatever. I mean, it, it is very, 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 uh, very, very inspiring to see that they're create, creating such big characters uh, because I so, so miss fights like this where the scale of the creature is so damn big that it just you know you feel like nothing in comparison and and it reminds me of some comments we've had previously um not we but that people have had related to alpha testing and stuff saying how they really wish that uh, they they feel like the the character the player character is a very small in comparison to the world. I love that. You know, we've been playing Lotro a bit on the in our in our time, right? And some of those trees, like the the trunk of the trees, is so big. And I'm like, I love that. I love that the tree goes up so damn far, 
it just makes me feel small. You know what I mean? And I think it, to me, also parallels the fact that I just really don't like uh, feeling like the chosen one. Like, that that's great. That the, Being the chosen one for specific stories works, but I don't want to feel like that in MMORPG. Like, I want to feel like I'm another person in the world. And when the world feels so big, you definitely don't feel, at least I don't feel, like you're... You know what I mean? Like you're some, you know, champion, the chosen one in the world. You feel small. Um, and I like it when you get that. But, yeah, you're right, man. You got to be able to scale out to really appreciate it. So hoping we get that. Um, I know That's something we've yeah. talked about a lot over. Absolutely. I, I mentioned it like when I first came on the show and it's uh, Slurp's talking about it, too. It's like yes. you feel small, like a random noob. And, yes. and that's. That's important. In a solo RPG, sure, I can be the destined hero of legend, but right. in an MMO, that's not immer- that's not an immersive narrative. Yeah, I agree with that totally, man. Uh, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about the visuals and things like that, but to make sure that we spend the majority of the rest of the time to really talk about the events a bit more and a couple of the other uh, bullet points here, because I think once we hit on the events, we're still going to have, uh, we talked about the environment a bit already, so I don't feel too much, I feel like we need to talk about that too much. Uh, but the the uh, Q&A bit will probably end up hitting on that next week along with some stuff and things. So let's make sure that we hit on uh, this particular point here, talking about this last point, talk about itemization and crafting have had significant work in order to properly, I know we hit on this a little bit at the beginning, but I'm going to make sure we, we touch base on this, saying that it's had a lot of work to properly represent their true form in Alpha 2. Keeping in mind, Alpha 1 was not representative of what they're going for. It was very rudimentary, right? It was giving players something to do more than anything, right? They said that this includes additional gameplay layers for crafting, processing, one layers includes surveying, which we talked about earlier, which is a component of gathering, which looks like looks at land management, such as when you are draining resources from a specific location, what type of effect that has on the land, and at what pace uh, can you harvest resources without having deteriorous effects on the land. Uh these effects may have impacts on future resource gathering for some period of time, causes movement of the players that are gathering these goods from the environment that they cannot always just do uh, from the environment. Sorry, what they can always just do from some particular point in the land management begins to degrade. So this will encourage them to essentially move around and be farming from different locations. Now, this I think is really important. Right. I know we talked about it and Slurp actually mentioned something about it earlier until you were talking about it. But the point I wanted to make and feel free to jump in after is this. You know how people are very often concerned also that I'm going to be out there farming and someone's just going to camp me and grief me and stuff like this. I actually feel that this will, will be positive because if people aren't, you know, if they don't have a very specific point that they only really are farming, then what's going to happen is they're going to have to be out and about and moving around, which means it's not going to be as easy to camp the same person or to really do that because it's going to force everybody to have to move more. So I think for people that are worried about like, I'm going to be out there, I'm going to be out there gathering and doing my thing. And like, someone's going to be, you know, being griefing me and they're going to be really toxic. And we even read like an article on the forums where somebody was talking about how that's kind of like their plan. And I'm like, I don't think you understand that the whole point in ashes is that 
the same resources aren't in the exact same place all the time. So hearing this was just a further reinforcer that you, you can't really stay in the same place all the time and expect to get good work done. You got to be out there exploring and moving around. And I think it goes really good for crafting, resource gathering, um, just keeping people engaged in the environment a bit more. And I think it actually does work to deter some level of griefing, not all, but some. So I don't know what you all think about that. Yeah, I agree that it does deter griefing and it also just deters botting too, because it's more mm, true. random. And again, that's where I feel randomness, RNG is okay, mm -hmm. right? Because you're talking about a finite level of resource in one part of the world and other factors influencing what where resources are rich and where resources are scarce. It not only helps like deter griefing and botting, but it also makes the economy healthy and not as predictable. Mm. And mm -hmm. you know, mind-numbing as it has been in other games, right? True. Where you know it's more dynamic. You're not gonna have stagnation because people just going to this one super awesome farm spot and dumping a bunch of, you know, or and or other materials on to the auction house and driving the price down, right? I think there's gonna gotta be a balance so it's not the other way around, right? Where mm -hmm. nobody has any flipping money because, you know, A or ABC is like, you know, really expensive. It's just a matter of like finding that right balance. And maybe also kind of providing some sort of, you know, factors that influence where things will be. So there's maybe some level of predictability, but it's not like 100% of the time. It's more like, you know, that that one reference that right. I, I personally love, you know, 60% of the time, all the time, right? So it's it's got to be like something that, again, encourages people to explore the world interact with others in positive ways, partner, collaborate. This is a massive multiplayer game. This isn't, you know, a solo game that you just happen to run into other people. In. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how frequently that happens. Cause as you kind of alluded to, um, if you are like that professional gatherer, that is a big part of what you do. There is a good chance you can stay ahead of the curve in terms of competition, whether that be other gatherers or people coming out to kill you for your goods. I mean, <laughs> you you might be a master gatherer, but that doesn't mean you have to be a master gatherer to right. acquire those raw materials, right? Um, so, you know, if you can stay ahead of the curve a little bit in terms of factoring what, what Slurp mentioned earlier – kind of what I would anticipate to be your more premium yield nodes, then you might be able to mitigate a vast portion of that um, player harassment, so to speak. Mm. Now, harassment is not the right word because it's part of the game design. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that's kind of how, how it's going to play out. I just hope it doesn't push you, like I said before, to the other side of the world to acquire the same materials, which you know, given the size of the world and the lack of travel, uh, fast travel abilities to get to and from your freehold and just your guild area, your base of operations, so to speak, mm. now becomes detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, it, 
it made me think of like, you know, we talk about the surveying skill, right? It's something that is an inspiration from Star Wars Galaxies, which we knew already from earlier conversations was were one of the influences that the team was drawing from. But it also makes that utility skill much more um, relevant and important to say, look, I I can't always guarantee that that you know, sweet spot is always going to be that sweet spot. So it's maybe going to force me to just scout a few locations and start trying to figure out whatever that algorithm is. But I still want, you know, while there should be some factors that are maybe visible to players, I think there should be some factors that just aren't mm-hmm. too. So again, it keeps it fresh and it forces people to collaborate and say, look, hey, I've got this XYZ rare resource. I'll trade you some of that for your, you know, ABC rare re- resource. And it encourages trade and movement in the economy versus it being like a monopoly situation, which happens in other games. Mm-hmm. You know, the I linked or I, I copied and pasted it in chat, but it says that they were doing a lot of work on with the design team around service building node superpowers relics in the reliquary system and steven was talking about how like you know this plan that's gonna be a part of alpha 2 i'm actually really really interested in seeing how that plays out in alpha 2 you know we i'm just really interested in seeing how the sieging in general is going to play out in alpha 2 when it's actually in the world as opposed to that sort of instance style that we've we've experienced a little bit for testing so really 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 interesting uh events now i know we've got probably what 15 20 minutes we're gonna have to wind this one down so i'm gonna make sure i hit on the event system real quick okay um one thing is steven made a point that he said the there may be pvp driven events within battlegrounds and he actually clarified what battlegrounds meant them small skirmishes that may lead to war so there are capture points during uh node and castle fights where there are concurrent running objectives during an event where the player must dispatch groups simultaneously in order to address objectives in order to complete one type of event or success condition so he went back and he categorized what he had talked about as a potential remember how we talked about like there might be sort of like this battleground scenario that's kind of going on we've got like we're like were we going to queue in for that how's that work he elaborated on that a little bit more and he, he basically elaborated on that being more of an event style thing right so we're getting more information around what events are going to probably look like how that's going to actually be organized uh you know and carried out so we got monster coins are an example of events right we've got this particular side of dy- dynamic with you know uh, capture points and things like that um <clears throat> points of interest right he talked about that as well um he said they're going to be product or sorry progression based right way for the world to, to react to player activity so a lot of what we had previously had outlined as seeming like a very you know i think some people sort of like thought about it and it seemed like it's just so much that they are going to do like every time steven really starts to elaborate on some of these things with even if it's not in great detail you start to understand that the approach that they have and how these systems all tie in together in the game 
it, it it's it's much easier to conceive of how that's going to be possible because he explains how this system works with another. And when we've already seen some reference points around how some of these systems work, you sort of you sort of start to get this idea that it's not maybe nearly as complex as a lot of people are thinking it's going to be for them to implement because we see some of these things already exist and you start to realize at least I do that like clearly they have the competency to pull this off because they've been pulling off a lot of the other things that people you know had a hard time really digesting previously and I think that's also the difference between the showing and telling right like we they t- we tell they tell you certain things like and sometimes maybe that does answer questions but more importantly when they get to the show part and you see that in action you start to understand that well this is something that is doable this isn't really outside of the realm of possibility because we've seen these things that have been discussed you know in presentation so the beauty of where ashes is at in development right now i think is actually the fact that they've been able to showcase enough of what they have told us about in live streams now that there's you know a history of evidence to support that the things can be done so there's that and i think that that's kind of my uh main focal point but the event system uh we've got a bunch of bullet points here i guess i'm just gonna let you guys jump in if there's any specific piece on there you want to make sure we hit on otherwise i can kind of go down the list but based on time i kind of want to do that approach yeah i mean i just like the one thing that i think really um started to help me better understand how the scaling works is the event levels um, and I, I really like that explanation that Stephen provided about that, that, you know, it's like there's a threat. If you don't address the threat, then the threat escalates, right? And it's kind of like that whole, even in that limited video that we saw that was more like cinematic necessarily than gameplay, just kind of seeing that and seeing the intricacies of, of how even the enemy group um, was being designed to say, hey, there's a, there's a pecking order, there's a social structure, right? There's motivations. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about relatively advanced AI and branching logic that if it's just even like at this point, you know, we're talking about it being built into a particular set of enemies, but it obviously was also being discussed as a jumping off point for, you know, how the whole world works and like i just remember that first video about nodes where we saw this hey if you get to a certain level in this node here comes this dragon and this dragon if we don't kill this dragon is going to come and lay waste to the node Mm. it's like one of those things where once again you're you're encouraging people to work together because it's like man i worked really hard on my freehold I don't want this to get wiped off the face of the earth by this dragon. Guys, let's do something. Let's protect our homes, right? So just, again, it just feels very much like you're handcrafting a world without necessarily, like, actually, like, you know, being a dungeon master. You're putting things into place. You're laying the foundations within the technology to be able to handle those dynamic events. And again. We've we've heard a lot of tell. It's very exciting. Obviously, there's a lot of energy from Steven, as always. I would love to see this in testing, but still, it's like the mark that they're shooting for here 
is pretty high. And they've already, you know, been discussing how much time they've been working on how these different quest lines work and how they're mapping things out. I mean, I remember Jeff, you know, back at PAX talking about that very thing as we were all kind of chatting. It's like how they were doing it. I think Peter as well at that time yeah. was also kind of discussing that and how it's like from then to now, I'm really starting to see this is going to feel like the most handcrafted, you know, with some procedure behind the scenes world that we've ever seen in any game, let alone an MMO. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, uh, I was reading over some things related to the event system as well. Uh, this one right here, I want to read. There are also event levels. Content is scaled with the level of the content that triggers it. For example, if an event takes place in a zone which has a population of average level 25, then one of the trigger conditions might be that uh, I, or 10 monsters of level 25 have been killed recently in that zone, and the level 25 event will then spawn additional content designed for level 25 players. These events are not always going to be in-game. They're going to be appropriate for content in which the uh, predicate system is informing, but they could also be something completely top level that is introduced at a lower level area, which will bring player traffic. That is important because we talk about reasons that max level players will be in maybe lower level starting areas and stuff like that. Mentor system we talked about sounds like the event system can also be a reason for that. Um, but yeah, you know, one of the other things he talked about was, uh, you know, talking about monsters and things like that. But he also talked about, remember he talked about corruption spreading previously. That was another good reference point to the event system, I think. Absolutely. I think it also shines a bit of light on the fact how they're planning on making the leveling process just an enjoyable aspect of the game, not a race grind to max level. I mean, absolutely, for some people, that will always be a thing uh, as they push for world first and things like that. But it, for the more average casual player, it, leveling isn't just going to be a mindless go out, kill 100 of these, collect 10 of these items that require you to kill 500 of these, or run from point A to point B to point C to point D to point A to point C to B. And, and you know, like all that stuff might still be there but you're also going to have some of these dynamic events along the way you're going to have meaningful interact player interactions with caravan systems and the movement of goods along the way so the fact that there isn't going to be fast travel but you're going to get a horse or a, a mount appropriate to your race uh right at the right around the start of the game is so so exciting to me because you know, for me, it's going to take a year plus to hit max level. I could guarantee it. So having the that leveling process be an enjoyable bit of gameplay mm -hmm. is super important. Yeah, I agree with that too, dude. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is like you're like you said, half tilt. You're going to have folks that are are into no lifing and want to like push the max level, but you're going to have some gates there and you're going to have some gates in terms of progression. So frankly, I mean, it's, it's going to be a balance of how quickly nodes level up to have content available 
for people that really are like, you know, super no life in it. And I think that, you know, that's a good thing. I mean, I, I have been in those shoes before. It's like, man, I just got to get on every day and level and level and level because I need to hit that end game. And all my friends are doing it. Yeah, and it's the worst. Why, why shouldn't I spend like, you know, 12 hours a day leveling? I mean, I'm, I'm too old for that shit now. Right. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see it's, it's about the journey more so than the destination, which we, I mean, when MMO started, right, they were about the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't about the destination. And and I'm really happy to see that that's how they're crafting this world. And it's like, you don't need to be max level to be relevant. Um, and that's not a knock on people that are like achievers. I mean, I, I've been there and I've also admired people that are achievers, even in the early days of WoW. It's like, man, the first time I saw you know, the paladin armor, I was drooling. I'm like, man, I want that. How do you get that? Oh, it's this this raid they call Molten Core. What's that about? And let me get there, right? And I ground and ground and ground my paladin until I was the one wearing that, you know, that armor. I saw that was a, it's the the second raid, not the first one. But either way, Lawbringer, right? Those armors were like, man, I will arrive if I have that armor. And now it's just that endless, like, okay, yep, new expansion. Let's grind as fast as we can to the end game. I mean, it's one of those things. You just take a week off to make it happen. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want it to feel like a I job, don't. man. I, I don't. I don't want it to be a job. I, I mean, if I'm going to take a week off, it's going to be a week off to hang out with my buds, man, mm. and have a good freaking time, not grind my face into the dirt sleep for two hours a night and then have to work the next week. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Like I said, just call me the Murtaugh of this podcast. I'm too old for that shit. Dude, you know, the thing, you know, too, is like there is a difference between getting on and playing a lot to where you're tired because you enjoy it versus getting on to play a lot because if you don't blank, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like that's a key difference. Absolutely. Like, I can't wait to get back on because me and my buddies were talking about trying to kick this boss's ass or we got our ass whooped by said boss. We think we figured it out. We want to get on tomorrow and do it. And we were tired. We worked hard. We achieved some stuff. We figured some things out. We're getting on the next day. Like, that is a whole different experience of being tired and putting a lot of time and energy into something. But getting satisfaction out of it because of camaraderie, achievement, whatever the case might be, fun versus I got to get on because I got to do X amount of this or X amount of that or the tasks that have been placed upon me. Otherwise, FOMO, right? Missing out or I'm not doing this or logging rewards or Or filling the blank. Yeah, or I'm not relevant, which I think World of Warcraft did. New I mean, world did it too. New World did yeah. it too. Yeah, a lot of games do it. I mean, Arcade has done it as well. There's like, you know, it's it's the road most traveled these days, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think gamer culture has evolved to the point where yeah. that has just become the norm, right? Like, True. I've heard mm-hmm. the the term so many times that players have optimized the fun out of games and (laughs) it's true because they go for a level of efficiency and perfection yeah that because you know whatever you can blame whatever you want for it but it's become a thing and while i think ashes has systems in place to allow for that uh 
to be a thing and allow for those players to still have a good time in the game, it's also allowing people that don't enjoy that uh, type of gaming um, to have fun and enjoy the experience as well. You know, like it's like a dog chasing a car. They reach, they get to the car and then they have no idea what the fuck to do with it. You know, it's like the journey, the race there was fun. and, And I was so focused on just getting to that car. But now that I got there, I don't know what to do. It's like you hit end game, you achieve all the things. And it's like, well, well, well now what? What are you? What are you gonna do? It's. Right. It, I mean, in this case, yes, it's the Batman quote. Thank you, DKP. Uh, um, <laughs> but but it, it, it's. I feel it's totally accurate here, and yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see that it that is not going to be the forced way to play. For some people, if that's your play style, that's your guild. Cool, and I'm really happy that you'll be able to do that. Now you want to talk about open world PVP and how that plays into that? Oh, that's yeah. a whole other that's a whole other conversation. And gear will what make up fifty percent of your player power, roughly, is what they were aiming for. Well, that that, that that's from that information's a couple of years old now. Maybe it'll change. But if you can be a level twenty and you're skilled at your class and you've got just a troglodyte who's level fifty running around and can't you know <laughs> just face rolls the keyboard, if you can still <laughs> If you could still, you know, hold your own against them and potentially kill them and live, I, I, I would love to see that. I would love to see a game where skill can trump power yes, or just sheer level advantage uh, because of the open world PvP aspect. So hopefully that's a thing. Yes, but, I yeah, we'll sure see. hope so, too. Right, because yeah. gear can't be the, the, the do-all. I mean, I think we talked about this a couple weeks back. It's like, dude, like... Don't don't tell me smashing one button and having a gear on that proc something is literally going to be my game. Like that sucks. As boring, it's not interesting, and it it just undermines the whole. Especially like the potential for really great things that can exist undermines the game's vision a lot of times too. I mean, I think of too many reference points for that. I know we're running on time. I think we're actually going to be picking back up on the event discussion because we're half tilt talked about PVP elements and things like that. They're definitely a good, oh, I'd say another half of the bullet points that talk about different things that are triggered, uh, different type of dynamics and open world and, uh, you know, NPC related content that I think we can pick up on and sort of chip away. At. And this is my point, right? We, we had our development live stream. It was mostly a tail live stream. And between what they showed and what they told us, we haven't even in over an, almost nearly two hours been able to get through it all. So, I mean, I remember the days, man. Remember the days, Daedalus? Looking forward to the days when the game's live and it's literally like, okay, well, we're we're packed. It's like, what what do we what are we eliminating that isn't going to be the most interesting to talk about? And we're slowly starting to get to a place where that's going to start to become the case. I think by the time we get to alpha two, we're going to just have to eliminate certain things because of redundancies and focus on just the newest, funnest things that have been going on that we want to talk about. And we're starting to get more and more to those places because their developer live stream literally takes us through nearly what two to three weeks out of a month there's maybe one one week where we've got uh we can kind of like just focus on something off the wall usually it still relates back to the most recent developer live stream so looking forward to the the future man we've got plenty of things going on we do have to wind this one down remember though when we do end we literally 
do the Pathfinder post-show afterwards. So we'll have some more discussion here after the show. You're all welcome to stick around and join us for that. Uh, But we are going to be wrapping this up. Uh, I'm going to let the gentlemen go ahead and shout out their domains and where you can find them when they are not on this show, Daedalus and Aptil. Let's go. All right. You can uh, find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald, and also on Ashes HQ uh, in the Herald's Ballad. So check out the article. Yes. Would love to hear your comments and feedback. And if there's anything you want me to talk about, um, shoot me a DM, slide in my DMs, um, make a comment on the article. Would love to hear it. Oh, yeah, dude. Have to. All right, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter at half underscore tilt or here on Discord at half tilt gamer. And friends, I always encourage y'all to join us when we're live on Sundays, 5 p.m. Central here in the good old US of A. But whether you join us live, catch the video on YouTube, listen to this on your drive to and from work, whatever the case might be, remember you're part of the journey, you're here with us. You are also an Ashes Pathfinder. So much love to all of y'all. Much love to Intrepid Studios and friends. Until next week, live your best lives, walk in the light, and have a great night. We'll see you again real soon, homies. Take care, everyone. Later, folks.